are listening to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring you the best tactics, strategies, and actionable insights for change through our powerful interviews with change management practitioners and leaders. And now here's your host, Teresa Moulton. My name is Teresa Moulton. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Change Management Review, and I'm very excited to have uh, Marsha Acker on our podcast today, and I'd like to uh, share a little bit about Marsha with you. Marsha is uh, an author of a new book called Build Your Model for Leading Change, which came out in February 2023. Um, she coaches leaders and teams, particularly those seeking to have a creative, clear, and powerful impact in their work and their lives. As an experienced leader and entrepreneur in a fast-paced technology and service organization, Marsha understands the importance of strong leadership with a focus on results. She is passionate about helping leaders and organizations achieve results through powerful collaboration and inspiration over a more traditional command and control style. Marsha founded Team Catapult in 2005 and has successfully coached leaders and teams in defining and leading change in their organizations. Before that, Marsha was an executive consultant at Kennel Bridge Consulting, a coaching and facilitation firm focused on large-scale organization change and business process re-engineering. As the director of operations for the technology firm Olympus Group, Inc., she oversaw all client-facing work and implemented an organization-wide management discipline that increased project profitability and improved program success rates. Marsha has over 20 years of experience in leadership and team development, group facilitation, organizational change, and strategic planning. Her specialty is working with technical leaders and their teams, and with her energetic presence and her deep sense of connection, she leverages the power of collaboration as she challenges her clients to define and achieve their next level. She believes that great leadership springs from the intersection of authenticity, passion, and results. Bring your whole self to work, do what you love, and make a difference. These are the leaders people want to follow. So without further ado, Marsha, welcome. (laughs) Thank you, Teresa. I really appreciate it. And I'm really excited to be here. So thank you. It's great to have you. And, um, you know, as I was uh, preparing for our discussion today, I got really curious about uh, your book, Build Your Model for Leading Change, and wondered if you could tell us a little bit about what what that's about and what you've experienced in terms of uh, people using it. Well, it's a, it's a different kind of book. It is a workbook mm-hmm. and it is intended to be kind of a guide that you might, um, you know, I think all of us in many ways uh, lead change. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we lead change in our personal lives. I think we're leading change in our professional lives all the way up to the, you know, the big sort of transformation kinds of efforts that you think about. Uh, maybe in traditional change and and certainly what your uh, listeners may think about. So I think change comes about in lots of ways. And what I'd say, the the workbook was really born out of um, both personal and professional experience of watching um, leaders, because I think I do, I have certainly done this before. Uh, Change sometimes can be 
I just need you to do what I want you to do. Right. <laughs> and then, and then it's, and how do I get you <laughs> to do what I want you to do? Um, yeah. To, like, so I think, I think that's, I think at some kernel, uh, I mean, and for all of us, there will be a moment in time where we've had this experience of, I just need people to get on board. I just need people to do something different. And I've, I think over my career, as, as I listened to you to read that bio, I think I've attempted change, both my own change and then helping and coaching other leaders to change. I think I've attempted all kinds of things, mm-hmm. doing it through process, you know, making sure the process was super clear, making sure that people were bought in, making sure that people are aware, I, like all the stages, all the things. Mm-hmm. And I think for me today, it boils down to there are lots of different ways to lead change, but the first and most important thing is that we each individually get clear mm. about how we lead change. Yeah, that I think that's really true. It's important because in my work coaching executives and, and mm. doing change management um, sponsorship work, uh, mm. I think that real challenges come in when uh, folks don't have the self-awareness that they really need in order to feel comfortable taking some of the risks that need to be taken in order to lead change. How do you find um, people are addressing some of those challenges? Mm. I find that we're, that we don't address them. Mm. Like I think that one of, so in my model for change, at the very core of it, at the at the very heart of all of all of it, is that I hold the belief that nobody changes until they feel heard and understood. Mm-hmm. And everything else that we're trying to do always, for me, can come back to um, how are we enabling uh, the people in our organizations to be able to talk with one another and communicate and actually be able to talk about the real thing. So mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, I will see leadership teams, um, they talk about all kinds of surface level stuff. They talk frequently, they talk often. So to your question about, you know, where are we talking about risk? There will be a meeting on the calendar where people come to a thing called, you know, let's talk about the risk. But if you were to often, right, so I'm generalizing, so you know, maybe there will be someone in the audience that's thinking, well, no, I think we really do. But I think if we were to really zoom out on many of those conversations, I think we, um, and, and if you were to take a video camera and look at the conversation, I think what happens in those conversations is we all sort of have our own way of showing up in the way that we think we're supposed to. Huh. Um, in the way that, so I think that, you know, what's going on in my internal head is I think I'm supposed to say this because I think that uh, will be rewarded here. And so I say that. And so I, I think it's okay to say this is a risk, but then there's this other thing that I really think is, is, is the core, but that feels super risky to say. So I'm not going to say it here in the meeting, but I'll say it to you one-on-one mm-hmm. offline. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, and maybe I'll hope that you'll bring it up or I'll have, a, you know, a, a chat message with someone and I'll say it there. So I call that, you know, the real conversation going out of the room rather than Uh coming in the room. And so I think at the core, this whole notion of, you know, we don't change until we, you know, feel seen and understood that um, we're not really great. We think we're great 
we think we're fantastic at having conversations. Mm -hmm. But my experience has shown that um, we do a lot of talking at one another, Mm -hmm. but not a lot of talking with one another. And the risky topics stay offline and not Mm -hmm. online. Yeah. And, you know, to me, that that brings up, you know, the concepts of transparency and authenticity. That's where Mm. I I kind of sensed you were uh, going with what you said. And I'm wondering um, how you help people become more comfortable, Mm. you know, with with transparency and authenticity. I think it's a journey. Um, So so to the book, uh, one of the first chapters, uh, the first two chapters actually in the book, outlines uh, David Cantor's theory of structural dynamics. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a theory of face-to-face communication. So one of the ways in which I often will work with teams um, is to help them onboard that language, that mm-hmm. ability. I call it having a shared language for making sense of all the stuff that's happening in the room when when we are in those spaces. And I think many of us will have an intuition hit that we're going, something doesn't seem right about this conversation, but I I can't, I couldn't really tell you what was happening. All I could say is I left, you know, feeling like something was not said or or I left really not clear about what I'm supposed to do. So we're able to say those kinds of things. But I think one of the first things to really help us get all of us, not just one person, but, you know, but the whole team get clear is to have a shared language. So ability mm-hmm. to kind of name the dynamics that are happening mm-hmm. in the room mm-hmm. without moral judgment. So, you know, I think the other way that we'd say it is, um, you know, Nancy was being really difficult today. Well, that's making it about Nancy. It's not really making it about the whole conversation and all of us playing a part. So to say that, you know, Nancy kept making serial moves, meaning she kept introducing new topics, didn't allow us to complete um, any of the things. And actually, we all own a part of that. So having a shared language is a way to name what's happening both for individuals, but also what's happening in our system. Yeah. So, so first, I think, is having a shared language. That's the place to start. Yeah, I agree. I think that's I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And so what types of uh, challenges do you find people struggle with themselves mm-hmm. on to as they, you know, as they build their model for leading change? Yeah, well, I think you hit on the first one, which is um, self-awareness. Mm. Like, you know, we talk about that a lot. We certainly talk about it in leadership development. Um, I think it's a phrase for, you know, I notice it gets, it just, it gets used a lot. And I think mm. until you really have an opportunity, it's funny, I was with a group this morning and we were talking about this very thing where um, we, so in my company, Team Catapult, we actually Um, use this language for how we navigate our own conversations. And I was just reflecting that I, over the years, probably the most I've learned about myself, I've done a lot of personal coaching. I've worked, you know, I've had coaches work with me. I I believe highly in that process of development. Yeah. But my own leadership has grown exponentially. My awareness, my self-awareness. Yeah of how I contribute (laughs) to things that I like or don't like, you know, that I'm getting in a full group system. So I think there's no better way for us to learn about ourselves than to have feedback in the moment, real time. It says, Hey, you're doing that thing again. You know, 
hey, Marsha, um, that was, you know, you've made four moves in a row and we're still back. You know, some of us are still back on that first one. That's really helpful feedback. Like, right. let's, you know, and then I'm able to go, oh, right. I, you know, I'm doing that again. Um, so, so I can, I can pivot, I can do something different and I have a, you know, a, a way for navigating that. So I think it starts with self-awareness and yeah, and you know, I I find also um, for myself that um, doing the work, like Byron Katie's work, mm -hmm. you know, um, doing some of that perfect personal development work yeah. is really important. And when you bring that into the context of the executive suite, um, people are hesitant to admit that they've yeah. done some work, or yeah. they won't say that they haven't done some work, but. Um, to get a team to open up, mm. to be able to lead a change in a way where you can create that level of safety, yeah. I, th I think seems pretty important. So how would you help a, a change leader um, mm. create that level of safety that's needed to lead um, an executive team through some vulnerable topics? Yeah. Well, I think you're hitting on it, which is vulnerability. Um, so there's, there's two things for me that we start with sort of any time we're going in to support um, yeah. change leaders. The first is onboarding the shared language. So um, that's not an in-depth process. It's it's fairly quick. I think the in-depth practice of it is actually applying it and right. doing it in the real conversation, not in a, it's, this isn't about training. It actually is about um, taking those executive, you know, day-to-day -day conversations that you find yourselves in and actually beginning to apply it. So the, the second piece is um, after the shared language is helping the team engage in dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, that that ability to both look at um, not just what we're talking about, we're really good at moving the subject <clears throat> or the content forward, but also in parallel to look at how we are communicating with one another, the, the dynamics, the structure that's playing out beneath of that. And a lot of times, it, partly starts with this ability to come into a true genuine dialogue where we are practicing the principle of bringing the conversation in the room. Mm. So I'll give you an example. There was a, um, a leadership team we've uh, worked with where I, it was, a, it was a relatively larger leadership team because there were sort of two levels to it. Uh -huh. There was kind of the top team and then an extended team. Mm -hmm. And so they were, there were about 15 people total in that um, team. And one of the things, you know, is we went in and started to talk to, we were interviewing everybody individually as we got started. And one of the things, now they would have described it as high-performing team. There mm -hmm. wasn't really an identified problem. They were working on um, executing at the next level. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of change initiatives. The organization makes changes about every four to six months. And wow. I mean, big changes. So wow. they have become adept. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. they would likely, in their words, tell you that it's their zone of genius in some ways is making pivots and making change. So, so that, but as we talked to everybody individually, what was starting to emerge from the convert from the interviews was um, the top team was saying things like, but we just need, you know, we keep asking for this to happen. We keep asking them to step up. We keep asking them to make more moves. We keep asking them to take more responsibility. And uh, we're so frustrated because we don't see that happening. And then 
the interviews with some of the lower, the, the rung down was, I'm not even sure the purpose of why we exist anymore. We've had so much change that the purpose mm. is clear. And someone else saying, I keep raising issues and they don't get addressed. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether they're valid or not valid, but to me, it's really holding up our process. And someone else going, um, you know, I've voiced concerns and I'm done. I'm, you know, I've, it, they're not being addressed. And so I'm, I'm out. So what was really clear is there were at least, at least five or six different versions of the current reality being painted. Mm. So to, you know, for me, the process of that first set of dialogue, you know, dialogues that we had with them was actually to bring the, all that conversation into the room. Yes. Um, and so it starts by us putting it into the space. You know, mm -hmm. here's what we've heard. Um, can you react to it? And it's in that moment, I think, where people start to realize, oh, I didn't know. Um, I had no idea that this was that confusing for you. Or I had no idea that you were so frustrated. Mm. Or I had no idea that um, that you don't, that you feel like nobody's listening. Mm -hmm. So I just, I think that's the start. Mm -hmm. And, you know, often we do a bit of um, container building to help that happen. They've mm -hmm. got a bit of shared language. But that to me is the point where the conversations come in the room and the energy shifts. Mm hmm Mm hmm Yeah, I agree. I think that's true. And to be able to do that as a change leader is um, quite an art. Yeah. I think. I think it's an art. And I think it is sometimes I, f I worry that it's a lost art. Like, mm. I, you know, and I'm, I'm certain that you see this too, but I think we get so good at the mechanics like um and this team was you know would, would be no different I, and i think many teams are no different like we we have this story that we make up that we just don't have time mm -hmm. um we don't have time to carve out you know four or five hours in a day to have a longer conversation so we take shorter chunks of time 30 minutes or 45 minutes or 60 minutes mm -hmm. and we expect you know, we expect change to happen in, in this kind of short time box. And I think that's sometimes unrealistic. It doesn't mean that every meeting is, you know, a four or five hour meeting. It doesn't mean that everything is a dialogue. But I think when it's void and absent from our day-to-day -day work, then what, what we're left with is we do have to default to tools and processes, the mechanics mm -hmm. to make change happen. You know, the the belief that well, we'll just, I'll just create a process and right. then I'll ask people to follow the process. And, and I think what's missing, what I, I guess um, it's really what the, you know, the builder model for change book is about is um, what I just would love for us to begin to do is to have um, a balance in our toolkit and our repertoire of, it's not that processes and tools and all of those things aren't needed and actually really helpful. Right. But I think when we don't start with a solid understanding and an ability to name difficult things, mm -hmm. to say, hey, like what you're saying is actually raising the stakes for me. And I think we're really missing something. And, and for the other party to go, oh, hold on a minute. Like that's important. Mm -hmm. Rather than I think in our fast paced, get it done world, we 
in our 30 minute meetings, we go, okay, well, you'll figure it out. So on to the next subject. And so I think it's, it's a different energy. Mm. And I do think it's an art, um, but I worry that we're losing it. Mm. How would you um, coach a change leader to get that art, begin to get that art back? Mm. I think it's about practice. Um, mm. You know, a lot of times when we go in, it's working with a team uh, for about nine months to okay. help them. Um, and in that nine months, we are absolutely building that capacity in the team. Mm-hmm. So that change leader, uh, you know, we're working on a very clear plan mm-hmm. that there are multiple people who are not only seeing it modeled because the that whole modeling of dialogue and having really challenging conversations and authenticity and being able to name, like it does sometimes take someone from the outside mm-hmm. to come in and, and mix things up enough. But I think the important part is that it's building the capacity in that leadership team mm-hmm. um, to do that ongoing. Like they've mm-hmm. got to be able, like it can't, it can't fall apart <laughs> um, if we're not there in two months. So I think that it is about building, it's back to that, you know, building the muscle of self-awareness, mm-hmm. building the muscle of group awareness and having a language that we've now, you know, it's not, it doesn't just exist cursory, but we have sort of a lived felt experience of it. We're in the, you know, so the example that I was giving you of the leadership team, we're in the process of, um, you know, pulling out of that and they're continuing. So that's a group that um, there was a ton of pushback. So they meet once a month um, for about two days back to back for about four hours each day, three and a half, four hours. Mm-hmm. That's once a month. Now, this is a group that has zero time on their calendar. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, how did you pull that off? <laughs> um, they found value. So there was a lot of pushback at the very beginning. But after that very first experience, there was no more pushback at all. Wow. The request was now coming from them because they had never had, someone said at the end of that first dialogue, Mm-hmm. I've never had someone ask me how I felt about mm. anything. Mm. And so people felt like they were hurt. And it didn't mean that um, they got their way. Mm-hmm. It meant that they had a conversation <clears throat> that was super meaningful and well worth their time. Mm. And, you know, I think one of the things that that team has found is that they're that time carved out has become invaluable to them. They've navigated a really, a really high stakes crisis mm-hmm. um, in the last three months. Mm-hmm. And those conversations have allowed them to do that um, intact uh, with really clean and clear ability to bring the super difficult parts of that to name what's hard for them personally, to be able to make decisions as a whole team. Mm-hmm. But I think without that, you know, some of that foundational work that would have likely sent people, you know, out the door. So yeah. I think, you know, this is a team, most, most leadership teams are, they will tell you that you're lucky if you get an hour on their calendar. This team actually does that. They do it two days a month now. That's great. And they ask for it. So I think it's the, you know, it's about, building that experience and that muscle. And then when it's, it's just becomes invaluable time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I always think about 
change leadership in that kind of uh, situation. And I, I wonder, you know, what did the change leader do to mm. actually create that environment? You know, in this particular case, um, I think this matters a lot. So, you know, the person who sort of sits in a positional authority, you know, mm -hmm. space, which I partly is what I hear you asking about. Um, it's a, it's really deep work for them. Mm -hmm. because um, so so one of the other things that we do is support those leaders individually as well mm -hmm. and um, early on there was a day <laughs> where in the conversation something had been raised that actually raised the stakes for that leader and um, that person became really animated and um, in a sense kind of shut down the conversation and so uh -huh. Afterwards, I just said, you know, hey, here's the impact, I think, of, you know, what was happening in that conversation. And, um, and the person said, I know. <laughs> um, and here's why. Um, and I said, great. So what can you do to actually bring that conversation in the room? What, what piece of that would be helpful for people to know? Right. So the next time they got together, um, there was a, another topic. And so that person did something really different. They, they didn't react they just named like, this is what makes this high stakes for me. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it's that the things that we would take away mm -hmm. and go tell someone else, it is that constant practice of, I don't need to tell the whole story. Like I don't, nobody here needs all the details, but what would be helpful is that for people to know this piece of that. And that's what has me react in that way. Like mm -hmm. I'm missing this piece. And so that actually changed the whole nature of that second conversation. So I think change leaders are doing their own work. You know, they're really mm -hmm. mindful of where they shut down conversation, mm -hmm. where they can welcome it. How do they, how are they making space for people to push back and offer mm -hmm. different points of view mm -hmm. and not necessarily needing to always agree with it, but definitely creating space for it. And I think that is I'll speak from personal experience. I think that is one of the hardest things to do. I agree. I think that's so well said, Marsha. I mean, mm. it's, you know, it's about teaching people how to make space and all those yeah. other characteristics that, um, and actions that you mentioned. Um, because it's that lack of space, that lack of the container where conversation is safe, yeah. where everything breaks down. Absolutely. You know, I, I, you know, you could take any of the front page stories that get told about organizations who have um, launched some initiative and it and it went south. So all of the, you know, the famous things that we could tell, all of us, I'm certain, could tell stories of failed transformation initiatives. Yeah. I would, I, my hypothesis to all of that is that it all comes back to where was there a breakdown in the conversation? Like at what point were we as leaders unable to have the real conversation and someone left, or right. um, we just put a dividing wall or we wrote some legal agreement that said, <laughs> you're going to do this and you're going to do that. It, so I think it all comes down to how are we able to engage in conversation first? Yes, I agree. Mm. So we're about out of time. Um, tell, tell us about your book and mm. where we can get it and, you know, couple takeaways that we would get from uh, reading it. Yeah. 
Um, so you can go to buildyourmodel.com. Uh, you can download a free excerpt from it uh, at that site. You can also buy it there. You can find it on Amazon, All any of the, you can also order it from your indie bookseller. So it's available that way as well. Um, you, you know, I think we've, we've been talking about, so everything that I would say that you and I have been talking about, I would say is in my model for change. Mm-hmm. And what I'm really clear about is at the core, what I'm trying to change is behavior and conversation. Yeah. But that's not the only way to change. And so I, you know, in the book, it is about, I take a real stand for, there's so many ways to change. I'm offering one way, but I think the work to do for us as change leaders is to get really clear about how we lead change. And so in the book, um, the workbook is about uh, first having a behavioral model. So, a, you know, I've offered structural dynamics, uh, which the book kind of outlines, but you can have any behavioral model. Mm-hmm. But having a behavioral model that helps us sort out what's happening in conversation, mm-hmm. um, then really being clear about what you believe about leadership and mm-hmm. how it it's effective and not effective. Mm-hmm. And then um, what you believe about change and how change happens. Mm-hmm. So my focus is on behavior, but you know, there are many people out there who may focus on process. And yeah. so then the question becomes, how do you believe process change happens? So I'm just really, a, my, my passionate soapbox is being clear about what is in your model for change, because I think what that does is it gets us out of our head and it helps us be super clear when we encounter difficulty, which we will all do, like when our when our theory meets the real world. Right. And we have to adapt. Like I'm able, you know, I, I said to you um, just a moment ago when I encountered that team that was like, oh, no, we're not doing this. Right. I know how to navigate that. And I'm really clear about it, not to make them wrong and me right, but I'm just really clear about the process we go through. Mm-hmm. So I think the whole point is being clear about what's in your model. And that's what the workbook is for. Sounds great. It sounds <laughs> great. I know I've enjoyed the copy that you sent to mm. me. So yeah, good. thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Change Management Review Podcast. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs>